the T-shirt. Is this his pre-show? Oh, Before you we could, get to Dave McPherson? Maybe, yeah. All right. The T-shirt right. fits this way. It's tight on me this way. <laughs> really? A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> wow. So that was that was funny. But there's great band, great new wave band. New wave, of, <laughs> not new no, wave. Not new wave. Out of uh, out of Whitby, Ontario. I don't know if you can see the cassette under there. Yeah. Right, right there. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a wee bit younger back then. Just a wee bit younger. Same same hair, I would say. Similar. You got you got two eyes now. That was that was that was actually a um, what do you call it? Like the dot drawing, a stipple, just, I don't know what's it called. Oh, yeah. Um, by Mike Kirstead. Yep, Mike Kirstead. His name is right there. The Kirstead family. Yeah. yeah. Group of family of artists. And Mike did that. So, Greg, today we have David McPherson on. We do. We're going to, where's your copy? We're going to talk about <laughs> Massey, <laughs> Massey Hall. I mean, it's great. The publisher sends us this so we can do research. Yep. And we can have like a great episode. Yep. So I'm looking forward to the nuggets you're going to pull out of this this book here. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah. I wanted to talk to you about something else actually before David comes on. And I know we only got about less than 10 minutes. But. Um, Probably like yourself, I follow uh, a number of musicians on on Twitter and on Instagram. And one of the people that I follow is uh, Danko Jones. Yes. Um, and so Danko Jones, the band and the person, I'm guessing. Um, anyways, Danko posts, posted something. He posted on Instagram a tweet of his. <laughs> Um, that caught my attention and I did some digging and I found out he was, uh, upset. He was, uh, angry. He was disappointed in the Canadian. Yeah. The Canadian rock band monster truck for teaming up with, um, Southern rocker and, uh, MAGA member kid rock. Yes. On a on a on a version of one of Monster Truck's songs. That's correct. Um, and I know you've been a fan of Monster Truck. You've seen them live numerous times. Yeah, and I, I wanted to get uh, now. I haven't listened to the song. Um, I haven't necessarily uh, read all of the lyrics to the song. Um, all I'm going on is. What made Danko Jones upset at this particular version? And uh, I'm guessing the video as well that came out in support of the song. But I wanted to get your thoughts on on this. Um, I think I think uh, I think Strombo put it best not very long ago. OK. When he, when he basically said and Danko took a screen grab from Insta and shared it on Twitter. And he's basically not basically Strombo said, fuck racism. Go listen to some Danko Jones. 
And I was actually listening to Danko Jones earlier today because, again, it's part of what's happening right now. And yeah, so um, I'm 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 blown away as I I, I posted a day or two ago. Um, you know, I remember Cal and I going to I think it was Sand Academy. I can't remember whether it was their show. Was it a Casby? Was it a Sausage Fest? I can't remember what the show was. Yeah, yeah. But they played there, and it's the first time we had seen them. And we met them, whatever, VIP upstairs or whatever it was. <clears throat> and, you know, they're rocking it out and everything. And then, like, they're, they're afterwards backstage or whatever or in the VIP. And they're all, like, nice shirts and the hair's pulled back and, you know, just really nice guys. Yeah. And I remember Kel and I were just left struck going, man, these are really nice guys. Like, they really are. Like, yeah. they rock it out, but they're just nice dudes. Yeah. So, and and the song, their song has, again, I'm not a lyrics guy, as anybody will tell you, including my kids and my wife. Um, but their song really had nothing to do with what Kid Rock did with it. It was basically yeah. the chorus. And Kid Rock basically um, said, like, the, the lyrics are all about, you know, you know, millennials and and so mainstream media sucks and you know they're all they're all gangster in their their furs and everything else and that's like that's really what i think danko was calling out which is what what are you doing what are you doing Mm -hmm. and the funny thing is i saw a tweet because somebody shared and i didn't i don't remember what the date was but it was actually a tweet from monster truck a while ago so it's one of those things where there's always a tweet for it and monster truck are like you know, oh, this, you know, can, Canadians need to stop trying to pretend they're Americans and the award shows and this and that and everything else. It's like, whoa, okay. Whoa. So the person person pulled it back out from the back pocket and went, there's always a tweet for that. There's always a tweet for that. So, wow. yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what to say. I really don't. I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. And then maybe they've always been maggots as well maybe they're yeah you know maybe they're well rooted in the jason kenny camp and uh mm-hmm. that's that's the crowd they're trying to attract i mean they've certainly lost a whole bunch of us in this i mean i can't imagine collaborating with kid rock is gonna make you a superstar in the u.s i, I mean the videos exploded yeah, in a couple of days, it's had a massive amount of views, but I don't think it's had views for the right reason. And I was gonna, I was gonna reply to somebody about that. I thought, meh. I'm not yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll support from the, you know, like retweeting Danko Jones' tweet with Strombo and say I'm yeah. with Strombo, and I yeah. had Danko cranked earlier today. I mean, that's. Nice. The best way I think I can do it. I mean, I could go out and fight the trolls. I mean, he's doing an amazing job of it. Mm-hmm. You know. He's 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 doing a phenomenal job on Twitter of just, you know, picking his battles and just absolutely yeah. crushing them, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm sure the other side disagrees. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was very it was very interesting. It's it's and it it's, it's sort of, um, you know, when when you I think you had uh, brought it to my attention about Eric Clapton, because um, I've been a, a like a big fan of his music. Um and you know when you sort of told me some of the stories about him, um, and then you know recently uh, the Rolling Stone podcast 
had an episode about uh, some of the stuff that he's been up to recently yeah. um, as in regards to uh, the vaccine and the stuff that he's done in the past. Uh, it just blows me away. I'm like, damn, I, can I, can I listen to his music in the same way? You know, there's a lot of really shitty people out there creating some great music. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I look at Michael Jackson, you know, mm. <laughs> I love his music. I do. Yeah. Like guys was musically brilliant. Yeah. But personally. Hmm. I, I don't know. I don't even know what descriptor I'd use. I yeah. I know what he's been accused of, but it's like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I remember having a conversation years ago with an old friend of mine about how do you separate the art from the artist, you know? Um, and then I also remember my brother, when we were kids in his room, he had drawn a mural and in the mural was, you know, there's a kid wearing a shirt and on the back of the shirt, you know, it'll say stuff like, you know, machine wash, warm water, don't dry, you know, don't iron dry or whatever. Um, and then the, th I think the third one was don't have heroes with, and the thinking about that was because him and I were huge Ben Johnson fans and it just, yeah, yeah. you know, it just, yeah. you know, we just got floored when we, you know, saw and heard the announcement that his gold was being taken away, you know, because of uh, steroid use. Um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, it's um, enjoy the music. Yeah, fuck racism. Go listen to Danko Jones. Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. David, I, 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 have, I have a bone to pick with you. Okay. When you uh, did the Indigo event... Right. Uh, which was really good, by the way. Great, uh, great online event. You were wearing like a, a jacket and tie, I think. Uh, I wasn't wearing a tie, but I did have a jacket. A, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're like you're little like you're dressed down for us yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was at, I was at a, I do have a shirt with cufflinks. I was at, I was, okay. at a funeral, right. I was at a quick visitation earlier. So I was going right. to I was going to put a T-shirt on. But then I'm like, <laughs> I can't be bothered to change again. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're you're looking good. Congrats. Yeah. On the book. This is Yes. This is this is a book you 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 read through. It's a book you pick up to read a chapter. It's a book you can just, you know, look at the photos. I mean, I've never seen Jim Cuddy look so young. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and just, you know, read some of the stuff. It is it is a great, uh, a, a really great book for for music fans, for, um, you know, historians of Toronto. Uh, just just a great, great piece. How, how did this how did this specific book get started for you? Uh, well, I guess it was, you know, I was working, uh, had finished up the last book in the Horseshoe Tavern and was thinking about what's next. And I've always loved Massey Hall. It's such a special place. I knew it was coming on, you know, 125 years. And I never thought that I could be the one to write that story. But mm -hmm. uh, I guess I remember they were having some tours and things, um, you know, as before 
kind of their big uh, anniversary. And Dean Cameron was there. And I remember Rob Bowman gave like a presentation. I went down to it with my dad and it was one of those that started to, you know, I, I put a bug in Dean's ear that day, I guess I met oh, him yeah. and said, Oh, you know, I, I've been, if, you, if anyone thought about writing a book or I, I'd be interested, you know, of writing a book. And, you know, I guess it just kind of went from there. I pitched it to my publisher and, uh, you know, they were on it right away. And then same as the horseshoe book, I wanted to make sure that the, the venue that I was writing about was on board. Uh, so okay. it, could, it could be, you know, considered the authentic or the official uh, book. And then I would get access uh, that I needed. And uh, so that, that was the next step. My publisher and I met with uh, Dean Cameron and with Mima uh, at the hall and uh, uh, Jesse, uh, who's now the current president. And, uh, you know, basically explained what our, what our thoughts were about putting this book out. And, uh, I think similar to the when I met with the horseshoe guys um, back in 2015, before I put that book together, I, they saw a fellow music lover in me. They saw someone who was going to tell the story uh, in a way that uh, it needed to be told, if you will, uh, uh, not to dig in, find all the dirt and that kind of thing. Right. It was about honoring yeah. the legacy of the place and, uh, more an ode, if you will, to uh, a historical landmark and uh, a cultural institution to not just Toronto, but to the country. It was, it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic read. And I mean, I love the fact that, you know, before, not before, but you went into sort of the early time and the, you know, the fact that it was to be a hall for everyone. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fascinating. Well, well, and that's kind of the, you know, if you take the academic uh, stance or, it was kind of the thesis that I went into the writing this book with. It was okay. Hart Massey, he gave this hall. Uh, it was partly a memorial to his oldest uh, son, Charles, who passed away at a young age of 36 from typhoid fever. But uh, really he wanted it to be a place for the people, as you said, and uh, 127 years on, I think you can honestly say that, that it has maintain that role and and despite you know some acts and playing that place that i'm sure hart massey would never have imagined like the iron maidens and acdc and some of the (laughs) right and comedians and different wrestling and boxing or whatever other events that were held there um it has i mean just that fact too like i i referenced about all the different types of events it's been a place for the people right Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and i think that's the cool thing that and what I've really enjoyed with this book so far, uh, people who have reached out, whether it's, you know, friends of my mom's or people online or uh, whoever it is, that they have a Massey Hall story. And mm-hmm. it, it all relates to probably when they, their particular era, their time, when they lived in Toronto or when they they first went to that hall and for some, it was seeing the Toronto Symphony on a Sunday afternoon when, you know, Ernest McMillan gave free concerts. Uh, uh, for others like us, maybe it's, uh, you know, seeing a rock show in, you know, the 90s or 2000s or, you know, seeing Gordon Lightfoot. So I think that that's the really neat thing about Massey is that uh, it has such broad appeal. And it, it really is, like you said, I, I think it's still a place for the people that anyone can go in there, right? You, you don't have to dress up. Uh, you can dress up or dress down and you feel as comfortable there as uh, you would going into any other uh, venue. Yeah. 
for sure. When did for you? When did Massey Hall be that place that you knew that was a special place? And I, and I tell you why I'm asking because I don't know if it if it was always that for me because it was sort of like yeah Massey Hall mm. it's just you know small sort of contravention. This is you know my my thinking, but you know living outside of New York, living in Toronto, and looking down at, at the at the states, I would know that. Carnegie Hall. I, I I I knew there was something special about that place, just because you you would hear the name a lot. The Apollo uh, mm-hmm. in Harlem. You would you knew that um, people on the radio came from these places um, a, a, along their journey. Um, Massey Hall sort of never was that for me until until recently. I would say. Um, I don't want to ask you why you think that, you know, this is, um, you know, you're not, you're not my therapist. Cause you're, cause you're not cultured. <laughs> yeah. I'm not cult- that, that, that would be one. Maybe. But um, <laughs> David, when, when was it for you? When, when was Matt, when did you know Massey Hall was special? Uh, well, I mean, it is a good question and observation because now that I reflect on it, I think that uh, it's like a lot of things, right? It's almost like we have to be validated as Canadians. Look at our yeah. artists, right. Who have gone to the, down to the U S to get success, that old story before, uh, you know, we hold them up as, you know, our great Canadian musicians or artists. Right. Uh, so maybe there's a bit of that with Massey hall, although, you know, in certain circles and people, as I said, whether you grew up in Toronto, you, you went to the symphony or you went to concerts there, it, it, it's been there, I think, but maybe it is a bit of that beyond Toronto and Canada uh, unless you are an artist who played there, because that's where I see these artists all knew how special it was. Yeah. Uh, any, and whether they were American or international, you know, I talked to Nana Muscuri, who, you know, started playing there back in the 60s, and uh, she just adored the place. Uh, George Thorogood, you know, wow. he went up and want, want, he wanted to kiss the, the, the brick as he was leaving the one night, saying, don't you ever tear this place down, so... It's not just Canadians, right? And yeah. I guess and around him a way you asked me when I knew it was special. Uh, probably, you know, one of the first times I went in there, just in the sense of you feel that weight of history, right? I think uh, to use that cliche of the, if these walls could talk. Uh, yeah. And you do. I really feel because of uh, the building and once you know all the people who have played there and before – and you feel that in the room, right? It's it's kind of uh, palpable. And uh, to me, that's what makes it so special. Uh, and the acoustics, of course, uh, is the other thing that all artists talk about and most people who have seen a show there. Uh, you, you have to agree it's one of the better sounding rooms. Yeah. Um, Greg, 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 I know you want to ask a question, but I, I want to ask you, like, when did you know, when when was Massey Hall a place for you? Like, when did you know that? that was a special place for musicians? Um, a couple a couple of shows for me that just stood out. Um, I saw Depeche Mode um, being probably 82, 83, something like that. Um, saw In Excess on their kick tour, like the early wow. kick. Um, we took my, we took my little brother. He would have been like, I don't know how old at the time, 12 or whatever it was for his birthday. 
And Jeff and I and Warren, we had front row seats for that show. So it was just like, so again, goosebumps. So to me, it's a lot wow. to do with the experiences. Like I've been going to Madison Hall yeah. for a long time. So it was that. And and actually, I know the question I was going to ask, and that's the question I was going to bring up as well. And I didn't go to these shows, but I thought it was incredible um, because I was into the in excess, that kind of Depeche Mode sound. And I don't know why I was listening to Q107. Um, nothing against Q107. I just, you know, I was listening to CFNY back then. And I was yeah. listening to Q107, and I think it might have been Derringer, if I'm not mistaken. And he gave a shout out. He said, We don't play this band on Q, which is funny because they did later. But he said, I want to give props to Simple Minds because they've sold four nights out mm. back in 84. So it wow. was like, like, you know, there's Q107 giving props to a band that they're not playing at the time. The Edge or CFNY or whatever, right? Spirit yeah. Radio at the time would have been playing them, obviously. And yeah, it was just like, there's four nights yeah. in the other station. So, I mean, for me, it's just like all that. And again, that's the music I was listening to at the time. But it's like all that for me is what made it special. And then that continued on, you know, mm-hmm. through my later. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, I mean, it's incredible. Like once you start going back into the history and seeing the list of artists who have been on that stage. Yeah. I think that helps to solidify in your mind too, how special it is because, you know, even if it took a while to re- understand that or realize it from your personal experiences, I, I think once you see that, okay, name a genre, you know, all the greats in that genre have probably performed in that hall, right. From, you know, jazz and Miles Davis and uh, you got blues with B.B. King and uh, Buddy Guy. And like you mentioned, you have in the 80s, you had a lot of these new wave bands and artists. And then it went on to be huge, like, huge. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. all, all the folk, the big folk, folk yeah. artists in the 60s and the 70s and singer songwriters. I mean, it's it's truly incredible. And then all the world artists as well. Right. You had all all those other uh you know, Spanish guitarists like uh, Segovia and people like that that would constantly return and, and play Massey uh, year after year. So, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine watching you two yeah. in the, in that oh. space. Was it? Yeah. Was it the unforgettable fire? Yeah, it, it could. Really, it was that one. Eh? Wow. Yeah, I, I think it's a similar story from my understanding to my last book with the you know, the Gary's book in the police at, That's uh, right. yeah. at, at the horseshoe. I mean, just on a bit bigger scale that you too was kind of on the cusp of, you know, that next level of stardom. And I, I, I think it was Derringer too, who I chatted with for the book that referenced going to that show and how incredible it was that sitting in that audience, you could just feel here was a band that was ready to like, I would never see them again in, in such a small venue, right. Or yeah. a, a venue of this size the next time they they come around, they're going to be filling the hockey arena, arenas and big, bigger stadiums. So, yeah, I felt I felt the same way. But like the, again, that seeing in excess on the kick tour, and, and and I've been told, and I don't know why I don't remember this because Jeff's usually the one that forgets things, and I'm usually the one that remembers them. <laughs> but apparently, we were all up on stage dancing with them and just like what? having a great time. Wow. Like, yeah. So so to that same sort of thing, right? It's a venue where you you know. A lot of bands played it when they were sort of, you know, they weren't the the um, um, Masonic Temple, but they right. weren't the stadium yet. So then you went yeah. through Massey Hall before 
you never saw them again in a small venue or smaller for, venue. For sure. And then the other thing that uh, Jesse talked to me about that I, I think he really captured it well, right? It's this, especially for Canadian artists, it's this aspirational venue that artists on the way up, it's like the pinnacle and the dream of mm-hmm. one day, you know, that's, I feel I've made it if I play Massey and that's, you know, where I'm setting the bar. Yeah. But, but the same token, you get people like our, our favorite uh, old man, Neil, who, uh, you know, he mm-hmm. could easily fill Scotiabank or fill all these other places, but usually he like, he would prefer to come and play, you know, three nights at Massey Hall kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And there's a, and there's a lot of artists like that, that, you know, they, they'll play several nights versus, you know, one night at a bigger stadium, just because they, how special Massey is and it is more intimate and, uh, you know, as an artist, I think that's why it, it means so much more when you can be that close to the people. Like you said, where else could you, you definitely couldn't go to, you know, Rogers Center or <laughs> Scotiabank and suddenly you're up on stage dancing with the band. I mean, that would yeah. never happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, David, let's change this from a Massey Hall talk about to a Neil Young at Massey Hall. Uh, <laughs> you've You've seen him. Uh, probably as many as many times as Neil has albums out. <laughs> well, not uh, quite. <laughs> but but. Um, do you remember the first time you saw him at Massey Hall? Uh, yeah, it would have been back in like 2007, I guess. Um, yeah. Which which tour? Which which uh, which concert was that? That was the Chrome Dream Two okay. tour. Uh, oh wow! Where he basically he. What I loved about that was that he played three nights. I went to two, two of the three shows. I think uh, I, I went on my own. Well, the one night I went with my dad, but we had only been able to snag single tickets. So, I mean, we switched it up where one of us sat up in the balcony and one in the orchestra for each half. And then the other night I, I ended up, uh, Neil's fans, as you might know, are called Rusties. And yeah. uh, at the time I was really into you know, collecting all these bootleg tapes and things for, uh, on these rust, rusty groups. And I found out a bunch of them were meeting for dinner uh, beforehand. So I was going to the show on my own. So I met up with them. And long story short, I mean, my t- ticket for the, the second show was front row. But, like, apparently it was one of those uh, obstructed view because I guess I was at the end of the row. And yeah. there was one of those pillars there. It wasn't that bad, really. Uh, but th- in the first half of the show... Uh, this guy I'd met from Newfoundland, the, the person sitting next to him, who he didn't know, got the boot. And so for the second half of the show, I was like dead center, like front oh, wow. row. So that, for uh, the electric portion of the show. So that was pretty incredible. Nice, nice. What, what's, what's your favorite Neil Young show at Massey Hall? Well, that would be it because you, know, yeah. you, t- you can't talk no. about it. I mean, it was uh, – it was one of those where I, I love all facets of Neil. Uh, you know, he is a real musical chameleon. You never know what you're going to get. But true, that was one of those nights where he did half acoustic, half electric. So in Massey Hall, I mean, both work uh, with him. But it was wonderful to just see him at the start. And he was very talkative uh, with the crowd, which often sometimes he's not too. He's so ornery that way. You don't know yeah. if he's going to just you know, sing and not really tell stories, but that night he kind of, I think was a little nostalgic. And I mean, even in the choice, his song list, he played, you know, a few songs like ambulance blues and songs that he had not, he doesn't typically play in concert. Yeah. Uh, 
and, and then the second half, he had a great band, Ben Keith. Uh, and I'm trying to remember Rick Rosas was with them. So it wasn't Crazy Horse, but it was another group of longtime players that had been with them. And uh, yeah, they just rocked out and uh, mm-hmm. it, it was a fantastic night. So Nice, nice. I- imagine if... Uh... Bob Dylan could have captured some of that magic when he when he came through. That's when he that's when he went electric, right? He he yeah, he and it, yeah. That was another seminal moment in Massey Hall history. I mean, he he was there in 1965, and it was when uh, the guys from the band uh, yeah. were backing him up. They were still known as the Hawks at the time, mm-hmm. and as Robbie Robertson recalls, it was a real shock for them because they were so used to the young street scene and playing the cock door and Friars Tavern and places like that. And everyone loved them. And it didn't matter if they cranked up the music, it was more a rock and roll scene, right? They were, they weren't as familiar with the whole Yorkville scene and the folk scene where, where Dylan came from. And that's what happened at that show, right? The rest of the tour, they'd been booed once Dylan went electric because all the folkies, right? That's all they wanted. They're like, yeah, Judas, you've betrayed us. <laughs> I mean, yeah, crazy, <laughs> crazy, yeah. but uh, it, it happened in their hometown. Right. And it was a real shock, I guess, for Robbie and the rest of the band that even in Toronto, it didn't matter. It, it was, he had divided his audience that much. I think some people even walked out right once uh, he started to play electric, but you know, it, several years later, they returned as the band and, it was a much better homecoming for them. That's for sure. For but, them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. What's there's There's a whole chapter you have on, on Gordon Lightfoot. Um, I, 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 I remember, you know, him being one of, I said, I need to see Gordon sooner rather than later. Um, and he would always play November. Um, I don't know. Is there a story around why November? At Massey Hall, do you know? No, that's a good question because I know it, it wasn't always November, like, but at some point in time, uh, yeah. my guess is it probably was the end of his tour. Uh, ah, possibly, sure. right? Uh, a good time of year. He, he lived in Toronto, so maybe it just made sense. November, uh, let's do kind of that residency at that time every year. But I, 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 know, I know other times it was in March or other, other times of the year, but... Yeah, it was uh, a natural that Gord got his own chapter. Of course. Uh, of course. I mean, he is uh, he's opening the hall this week uh, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three nights. And, uh, you know, at 83 years old, I mean, he's not uh, the Gord that we once knew with his voice and everything else. But he's still a legend uh, in Canada. And uh, it's his hall. He's played there more than anyone, anyone else. So it, it it's fitting that he he should open up uh, this revitalized hall and uh, he's got such an incredible history there uh, i'm sure so many people have seen him play right every decade since the 60s yeah right? haven't missed a show i mean it, it like you said because he came back year after year it was almost like a people would mark that in their calendar and it, it was kind of a uh, annual thing that they did so yeah and the one year i was able to see him Massey Hall closed, and I had to go see him in Ottawa. So I had to make oh. the, the, the drive out uh, to, yeah. to to Ottawa uh, to see that. But he, I mean, he still he still fills in. He still yeah. fills that that whole room. Yeah. Um, I mean, even this old. I mean, he's able to bring 
I mean, not just the people that grew up with him when he was like a superstar, but I mean, you're getting people like myself who, you know, found his albums in maybe dad's collection or, you know, maybe heard, you know, his music on an oldie station once and just love the voice and the storytelling in his songs uh, is, is, you know, second to none. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, if, if anyone is, is a fan uh, of the hall of Canadian music, you know, he's, he's sort of like a must see uh, oh. for, for everybody, for anybody really. Definitely. But, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so, Greg. So no, I was going to say, so to that point though, in terms of you wanting to see him and not be able to see him at Massey Hall, um, you know, I wanted to ask actually both of you, you know, what I'll preface this with, for me, the answer is that last spirit of the West show. So mm-hmm. what shows didn't you get to see at Massey Hall that you would love to see? Because that spirit of the West show, mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm kicking myself. I'm yeah. totally, yeah. you know, before John Mann, you know, that's sort of the last hurrah, if you will. Um, yeah. I'd be keen to know what your, your. David, well, why don't you go first? Yeah, I can go first. I mean, it, it's a good, it's a great question. Uh, if you're talking about shows just in the history of the hall, I mean, that that's, there's quite a few, I could say. I guess ones we've been alive for and able yeah, to go yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. definitely the one for me, I was alive, but I would have only been about three years old. I, <laughs> see, seeing Bob Marley there, because he's sure. the guy that I would have loved to see Bob Marley anywhere, but I just can imagine uh, seeing him in that hall, I guess at the time too, like reggae wasn't as well known, but, uh, and it brought out the whole Jamaican community apparently in town. And it, it, that would have been <laughs> a special, incredible evening, but wow. uh, I probably with you, I mean, Spirit of the West for sure. Cause I've talked to, uh, mm. you know, some of the other members of the band and I've seen footage of that and yeah, it just, how special that must have been for not only was it their first time ever playing the hall, but then they had, you know, a singer who they didn't know if he was going to get through it. He's in the late stages of Alzheimer's and you just bring that all together. And apparently he really pulled it off, but, and the audience was just so behind him. And I think that's what makes it so special too, is like you said, that those, those type of moments can happen at Massey hall uh, because of the connection between artist and audience is so strong, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I highly recommend that, you know, for anybody listening, um, go find the footage on YouTube because it's out there mm-hmm. that you can watch. Uh, I don't know how much of the show, but some of the show is is all out there. So, yeah. yeah well, and, and for those, those who don't know, I mean, that's part of Massey Hall's mandate is uh, helping artists develop and and one of the ways they do that is a lot of their shows over the last, you know, five plus years they've recorded. And so you can go to their, their website and find a lot of these. There's this live at Massey hall series where you can say, see, you know, a lot of these rising stars and bands like Coeur de Pirat and Kathleen, mm-hmm. Ed- Kathleen Edwards yeah. and uh, you know, uh, who else? Uh, Matt Mays, I think, but a lot of those uh, they've recorded those shows. So Nice. Yeah. Matt Mays would be great there. Um, for me, there, there's two shows. There's one show that I don't think ever happened, but I don't know, maybe five, between five and 10 years ago, there was rumors that Prince was going to do a show. Right. Yeah. At, at Massey Hall. And I remember, I don't know, I, I guess leaving work at lunch and just, and there was like a lineup <laughs> to, to maybe buy these yeah. tickets of yeah. a show that maybe would happen. 
Do you remember that, David? Did that yeah. show ever happen? It didn't happen. No, not yeah. that day. I, not that day. That's for sure. But uh, yeah. yeah, I remember seeing photos of that and hearing about it and seeing it. And yeah, yeah, that that would have been incredible. I mean, to see him in in that venue for sure. Oh, it would would be phenomenal. Insane. But but yeah. for me, it, it was. I, I think Neil was supporting Lenoy's. Mm. Um and he um he did a show there that was recorded and made into a movie. Um but yeah, it was it was deciding, ah, he's gonna play his newer stuff and I really love his old stuff and uh and then I got the album and I go, yeah, you know, grew on me and you know, since that day I said, Okay, forget it, never again. If yeah. Neil's gonna come into town, I'm gonna go see him. And then and then he plays that big festival. I can't remember Way Home, was it? Yeah, he, he played with um, with Willie Nelson's uh, boys. Yeah, uh, Pro- Promise of the Real, and I decided nah, I don't want to go see him. And then I hear that he he just just put on an amazing show, and so it always kicks me in the butt when I decide not to go to a Neil show that he just puts oh, on yeah. a, a show to remember. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, so that that's Greg. That's that's my show for me. I miss most of that because my daughter started calling me and my phone's <laughs> earphones went over to my FaceTime and I'm like scrambling to turn the audio back yeah. on. Did these guys, Greg, do you know if these guys played? They did not yeah. play. <laughs> Massey. They did not play Massey Hall. Massey Hall. Yeah. I don't they know, David, they, they, if, you, they... if you recognize that face there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we did not. We did not play Massey Hall. No. Okay. Next time, on the, on your next go around, yeah, um, on the reunion tour, yeah, yeah. So I, I I'm glad that this um, short bit was in the book. I'm a big fan of comedy, and I've heard Jim Carrey tell the story numerous times about the relationship between Rodney Dangerfield and his dad. <laughs> and I was I was like like how does that happen? And so you know he, he tells the story about. Um, you know, he opened up for Rodney Dangerfield one time and he brought his dad to the show and his dad got to meet Rodney. And then from then on, Rodney would always ask Jim Carrey about his dad. Uh, yeah. And as I'm going through the book, you've got this piece on Rodney Dangerfield. And I think there's a, a, a copy of the poster in, in, in the book uh, and a, a young Jim Carrey opened for him. And it's sort of this is the place yeah. that uh that uh, that story comes from so so thank you for for including that um but like you said there were so many different uh events uh that that happened there you know jazz politics yeah boxing well, wrestling well that's the thing i mean it's uh, one thing you're going to notice when you go and see the hall or if you have walked by there you can actually see the original sign and the original name which was massey music hall Yes, uh, that's in, engraved in the stone there. But you know, the reality is that over the years, it's it, it's been host to so much more than music, right? Authors have uh, spoke there. Uh, Helen Keller spoke there. I mean, wow. So it, and lots of politicians. That's where they wrapped up their political campaigns. Uh, you know, union groups had like you know big meetings there and. Uh, on and on. I mean, it, and that's where, again, it goes back to your comment right off the top, Greg, about a place for the people, right? It, so more than it was a place for the people in that sense, too, of uh, it was always open to all these community groups to gather. 
you know, whether it was the Salvation Army or the suffragette group or, Mm -hmm. you know, early days, people that were uh, trying to, uh, were all about prohibition and, you know, not wanting uh, alcohol to, you know, get distributed, all that kind of stuff. It, It all happened in there, right? I mean... Can you imagine now? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, yeah. When alcohol sales is such a big, important part of the industry right now. But, well, 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 the amazing thing is that they didn't have a bar in there until their yeah. centennial in 1994. Wow. That long. Yeah. yeah. That's why it's called Centuries Bar in the basement, because um, it was put in, in in 1994 when it was the centennial of the hall. Yeah. That's fascinating. I did not know that. Um uh, so you mentioned about, you know, the, what it looks like now, I assume you've had a chance to go in and tour around and stuff. Like, can you talk about not just the grand room, but all the other music supporting facilities that they put into there? Yeah, well, I think that's part of the, I mean, the grand room itself, uh, the original hall, uh, what people notice the most, I think are the, the ceiling, the plaster ceiling that's all been refurbished, uh, it, for the longest time, it was covered up in uh, wire mesh, uh, and it wasn't safe, but they got plaster restorers came in and meticulously worked on that over many months. Uh, new seating, obviously. Uh, and then the, the stained glass windows, to me, that that's yeah. the thing that's going to be so striking and so special to see that these these were in the original hall, but were boarded up about you know, 10, 15 years after it opened because of horse traffic and sunlight that it, it wasn't great for the concerts that they were putting on. Right. So, uh, but they've uh, totally refurbished all those stained glass windows, put them back in place. And they're, they're all uh, the type of glass used is they have even blinders that they can put down. So the sunlight doesn't come in at certain times a day. And I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was going to ask yeah. how that was going to be handled, but yeah. Yeah. Thank you. yeah. And, and then beyond that, uh, Really, it was about, as you know, uh, it needed to be modernized in some ways in terms of accessibility and more washrooms and that kind of thing. So, <laughs> and, and as much as I know uh, artists who have played there, like uh, Tom Wilson, talks about the dressing rooms, how much he loved the old dressing rooms. He could get lost in there and yeah. you could just sit there and think, oh, wow, I'm, I'm sitting in a dressing room where, uh, you know, Charlie Par- Parker once, you know, sat or Miles Davis or whatever, but reality is uh, I think most people want things a little more modern, more space. And, and to that point too, it's all about the load in and load out. Uh, So it's about logistics too. For those who don't know, they always had to go in the front door of Massey hall, the same doors that the patrons go in and out of. So now at least they've got this new building in behind uh, and a loading area off the side street there, which will make it a little easier. They got new dressing rooms uh, in the basement level. And then in the the new building, they have yeah. a recording studio. Uh, so for artists to go, rising artists, a uh, great way to develop. Uh, they have another smaller stage, I think for about a hundred, a little more intimate theater. Okay. So again, some of the artists are working with, that might eventually play the main stage, but they're, they're able to uh, present some shows in there too. Um, That's interesting. 
So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be something. Uh, I can't wait to get in there. To be honest, I haven't even seen all that yet. I've only read about it because yeah. with uh, COVID and the pandemic, I mean, I've barely been back down to Toronto. So uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing all the enhancements in person uh, very soon. So, and the bar, the bar, I think has a stage as well, right? Like as I yeah, they put a stage down there as well. Yeah, in the the refurbished uh, Centuries Bar, there mm. there's going to be a stage there as well. But wow. uh, same thing, they can have smaller, more intimate uh, yeah. little performances, maybe media showcases or things like that. I guess too, right? Yeah, yeah. Or an after after show for guests. That'd be yeah, yeah. That too is yeah. Can you imagine that? That'd be awesome. I so I was unaware because I remember asking in the chat when the, you had the book launch with Indigo, um, asking about you know support. Um, and I, and I was more, you know, talking about, you know, because concert tickets these days, uh, you know, can be something I found. I, I don't think I, do I have it here. I found a, um, give me a quick second. Yeah. Here. <laughs> uh, a, a ticket stub. Yeah. From 1996. Oasis opening for Neil Young with Crazy Horse. Yeah. Molson Park. Yeah, I was at that show. Yeah. $42.50. Yeah. $42.50. And yeah. I'm and I'm thinking I I, I don't recall. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can still you can still get a decent price ticket. Um but yeah, it it it's you know, so I was sort of asking the question in terms of, you know, how how do, you know, if it's supposed to be a place for for everyone for the masses. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how do you get people that are, you know, young who, who don't have an income necessarily, you know, to go into a show and appreciate music, appreciate the space uh, and maybe spark something in them, whether they become a musician or whether they become like yourself, somebody who documents, you know, the, the, the history of music mm-hmm. uh, and, and music venues. But it was really interesting to to learn about some of the stuff that they've been doing around, you know, bringing music to to other areas uh, of the city and uh, really helping artists uh, develop. We had Shad on uh, last week yeah. um, and he's someone that talks about, you know, what, um, you know, Massey Hall did for him as an artist. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and that I, as you reference uh, near the end of the book, I talk about that and I think yeah. it's an important, important piece that a lot of people don't realize you buy a ticket and go to a show for most people, that's where Massey Hall starts and ends. But uh, for those who don't realize that Massey Hall, Roy Thompson Hall is a corporation. Uh, it's a not-for-profit and part of their mandate, which has just grown uh, more and more in the last five, 10 years and will continue with this uh, recent revitalization is about artist development and working with artists, uh, following them along in their careers uh, and people like you mentioned, like Shad, um, White Horse, all these other yeah. bands that they, they would meet with them and uh, come up with like a, a five-year strategy as an example and say, okay, you know, in five years, you're going to play Massey. Here's how we're going to get there. You know, we're going to start out, we'll have a thing at the Rivoli and we'll help, we'll start building up your audience there. And then maybe we'll move on to the Glenn Gould uh and then after that, the Winter Garden Theater. And, you know, eventually you'll get to the point where you can uh, fill Massey Hall. And, uh, you know, they, they're doing that with more and more artists. That's and amazing. It is amazing. And then beyond that, they have the whole education and outreach piece where they'll work with artists like Royal Wood or 
uh, Shakura Saeda and lots of others that they will actually go into a, a local school in the Toronto area and, and teach them about songwriting as an example. Or like, I remember it was really cool. I, I think it was Shakura that uh, I talked to who did a thing on uh, protest songs. Oh, wow. And, okay. And, and, and her mom was actually around during, you know, the, the protests in the sixties and seventies and everything. And so she brought her in as like a guest to actually talk about, well, that experience. And uh, so, you know, imagine like being a student and getting that opportunity to, oh, yeah. and that, that those are the type of things that uh, Massey Hall is doing behind the scenes uh, that you, you don't realize beyond just you know, putting on great concerts in that venue. Absolutely. So, so, so sort of along the same lines, what was the biggest surprise hmm. or the, 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 the most amazing thing you learned while doing the research to pull the book together? Uh, well, that was probably one of them because I, I knew that they they were involved a little bit. I'd heard a, a bit about this program, but I didn't know the extent of it. Uh, and, that, and then beyond that, I think I touched on it. It was really just as you dug deeper into the history and you, you learned about everything that happened there because the same thing. I was more of the view and I just knew Massey as a music hall, right, in a place yeah. that I'd seen all these incredible concerts. But then when you go back and see – you know, here's a place where Winston Churchill once stood and gave a speech. And, yeah. you know, a place where, uh, you know, boxing matches happen. Like, it was like, what? Uh, you know, type, <laughs> type, typewriting contests. Like, there's just yeah, yeah. All, these, all these different events, like, that yeah. happen there. And, uh, I mean, that's what I think really was fascinating to see that uh, over the years and every, every single genre of music, that's what I think is, is really fascinating, too. Uh, again, that maybe we only know it because of the the type of shows we go to, or but when you go back and see, you got opera, you have you know world music, you have yeah jazz, you have blues, you have folk, you have rock, you have you know uh, rap, R and B, like it just uh, pretty much everything has gone through, and that's where I think it really differs too from a Carnegie Hall. Uh, even though they get compared a lot because they were built, you know, about three years apart. Both were gifts to the city by a philanthropist and industrialist. But Carnegie has a that uh, feeling. It's a little more upper class, upper crust, uh, if you will. And mm-hmm. I don't think it has had the breadth of, and the variety of type of events that Massey has over the years, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you're right there. What, there, there are many interesting and fascinating stories that come out of your book, uh, David. You know, um, you've talked about uh, a, a bunch of them. Uh, right off the top, I go forward by Jan Arden. <laughs> like, what's like? I was, you know, I, I, I was thinking that's an interesting choice, and it was like a question I got. I got to ask David this question, but as I'm going through the book, I, okay, she's played here more than any other female artist uh, except one. Yeah. Makes sense. How, how did I, I'm sure that's not the only reason you chose her, but how did she come about to write the foreword for this book? Uh, it was one of those things where I mean, my last book I had Jim Cuddy, and uh, I wasn't going to get him to write it again. Uh, yeah. I mean, even even though Blue Rodeo, it, it, it could have been a natural because this venue yeah. as well. He, you know, they played there more than any other group. Uh, but I really felt uh, 
Jan is someone I admire, I respect. And once I learned she had played there as much as, uh, or more than any other female artist, uh, as you referenced, uh, uh, surprisingly only Nana Muscuri, uh, you know, not a Canadian has played there uh, more because she started back in the sixties, uh, yeah. play, playing there the first time when she opened up for Harry Belafonte and then she would come back every year. Right. But, uh, Jan just seemed like a, a great fit, I, and I knew she loves Massey and uh, adores playing there and uh, loves Toronto. And uh, so, yeah, I, I reached out to her management, and yeah, right away they they pretty much agreed. And uh, you know, Massey agreed it was the right choice. So yeah, it was as simple as that, I guess. So I felt uh, honored and uh, grateful that uh, she chose to uh, write the forward. I think she she did a great job. I mean, it really kind of sets the scene with uh, her sharing a few of her stories and uh, it's a good start. So nice. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I mean, it shows in the book, I assume you didn't have a hard time getting musicians to come forward and share their stories. It was just like story after story after story. Yeah, definitely. It was more, I think one of those, like some people have asked me about, stories you left out or admitted or what was left on the cutting room floor. And, and that is really the challenge with something like this is mm-hmm. you're right. The, the stories are endless. Uh, and that's where it helped having great editors uh, nice. at Dundurn and design team and everything else that some of the stories are things that I was like, oh, I don't know how I could fit that in, or I, I don't want to cut it. Uh, as you mentioned off the start with the the book and how, very uh, photographic heavy and it's the type of book you can flip through. Uh, that's where it helped with some of these standalone stories. We were able to put them in that way where just let them tell the story, put their quotes in with a nice photo or that kind of thing as a sidebar. Uh, so that worked out really well. But in, in terms of the artists, no, I was very fortunate. Uh, all the managers and uh, people that I made requests to uh, all very helpful and everyone was willing to chat uh that wasn't a and pretty much my wish list i think beyond neil <laughs> uh, and he doesn't really talk to a lot of people uh, sure. any anyway but uh <laughs> you know really i think uh, for my wish list when i started out the book and kind of jotted down okay here's all the people i'd love to talk to i mean i i'm pretty sure most of them i i included in the book in the end uh and manuscript so i, I was pretty lucky that way but uh, I was fortunate to Dean Cameron, uh, who yeah. unfortunately passed away uh, yeah. a few years ago, the former president. I mean, he was fantastic uh, in helping me set up interviews with people that uh, he had connections with through his years at EMI uh, and making those introductions uh, where I didn't already have a connection or maybe people weren't wouldn't be as uh, apt to grant me an interview, but having him make that introduction made it that much better. And, and same with the Massey Hall folks, uh, yeah. you know, Jesse and Mima and Steven and everyone there just were fantastic. And I can't say enough because they supported this project really throughout. And there was a lot of back and forth with them and, but they were helpful throughout trying to set up interviews where I ran into stumbling blocks and that kind of thing. So All that's right. great. That's great. David, uh, as as we get close to wrapping this up, um, what's what's the the first show you're going to see at the uh, the new mm. Massey Hall? 
Have well, your tickets yet? Yeah, I do. It's Scored Lightfoot this week. So All right. Uh, <laughs> I, I will be going actually uh, with my son on Friday nice. night, uh, so just in three days. So it's uh, I. It's going to be special. I know that it's uh, it's one of those. I don't know how how I'm going to feel or react, but I know just walking through those three red doors again is going to be yeah. uh, probably give me chills and just seeing the people and you'll feel that collective feeling that everyone has of being back in that building again. And then once Gord takes the stage, I oh. imagine you know it's going to be a standing ovation for him for quite a while and that will be probably pretty emotional too so uh yeah i can't yeah. wait that is awesome and is that the first show on friday uh he's the first show's thursday but yeah okay. he's doing doing three nights so yeah that, awesome. yeah yeah what well, i think that's that's the guy to see that that the as it opens up yeah the, no better no better musician that's for sure that is awesome um what's the next concert venue you're going to write about yeah <laughs> yeah that's what everyone asks i don't i don't know i mean i've un uh unplanned I, i've kind of become i greg are you with me i am what's oh. next and uh, i kind of want to enjoy this for a little bit first uh yeah you know i've debated uh tr- yeah i've I debated trying to dabble into fiction, possibly. All right. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, uh, we'll see what 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 the muse uh, when I get inspired, and uh, maybe ask me again in a few months. But <laughs> I was kind of hoping it'd be like the Hotel Isabella. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is there's awesome. Cer- there's, there's certainly enough of them out there. That's the thing. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's wh- whether some of them warrant a whole book or not is a different story, sure. but. I mean, I'm also, I, I, I'd be interested more to tackle a, a broader topic possibly yeah. too, where it's, it's putting those venues in the context of, uh, mm. of the the culture and maybe looking at some other facet of, uh, a certain period in time and history or that kind of thing. Yeah. But we'll see. That's yeah, for that sure. Sense. You know, this, there's a lot of talk that has happened this year on, on music 30 years ago. With uh, you know the number of just massive albums mm-hmm. uh, that were that were released uh, in in uh, in ninety one. Yes, and, that's uh, true. Because I'm actually yeah, I just chatted with Ron Hawkins uh, yesterday about uh, Shakespeare, my bud at thirty, and then before that, yeah. I did a, a feature about. Uh, I talked with the guys from the Hip a few weeks ago and wrote a feature up on Road Apple. So yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, ninety one for Canadian. Uh, releases and bands, or it was quite a quite a year. Yeah, may, maybe that's the next book for you, David. Yeah, yeah, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, you can you can thank Greg and I in in the uh, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> at the beginning. You'll, you'll be dedication. in the acknowledgement, dedication acknowledgement. for sure. <laughs> yeah, David, it is it is always an, yeah, always pleasure. a blast uh, to to speak with you. Um, thank you so much for your time. Congrats on the book as well. Massey Hall, a perfect gift, especially at this time, published by Dundurn Press. Um, you can buy it everywhere. Books are sold. And if you happen to live in an area that has a local bookstore, go pick it up from there. Go support some uh, some local bookstore for sure. Uh, David, you're off to a concert. Who, who are you going to go see just now? 
No, I, I think I'm going to take a pass tonight. I, I was okay. I was debating I was debating going to see Dan Magnan at uh, Center of the Square, but I, I'm going to see Whitehorse and Buffy St. Marie there tomorrow night, and then wow. seeing Lightfoot twi- Lightfoot twice in the later of the week. So I thought, well, three shows in one week might be uh, might be <laughs> it might, it might might be enough. But when you haven't seen anything for you know 22 months, I mean, I went and saw Julian Taylor last week and friends. Uh, that was my first indoor show last Thursday, and it just was unbelievable. Uh, nice. Uh, th- for those who know uh, what live music is like and who understand it, it, there's no feeling like it to be in that room and feel that love and that communal spirit that uh, between the artist and an audience that was lacking for so long. So yeah, I, I'm trying to get caught up uh, on all the shows that I wasn't able to see for a year and a half. So. Well, David, enjoy enjoy the music, enjoy the shows, yeah. and we'll uh, look forward to chatting with you again sometime soon. Sounds great. Well, uh, always a pleasure chatting with you guys. All right, thanks take for, care. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, David. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.